My name is David, and this is The Big Shut-In. It is Tuesday, May 12th, day 59, uh, since I went into lockdown. And I had a moment tonight where I was sitting on the couch. It was just after the kids went to bed, and finally... and my wife went to bed and I, I realized something that my energy about this whole situation had changed and it needed to change because I, I realized I had been sort of braced, you know, I'd been in duck and cover position mentally in a lot of ways where I was saying, okay, this is going to stink, but we're going to do it for a couple weeks, a couple months. It'll be over. Just hold my breath and push through and come out on the other side. And I realized today that we're going to be doing this for a long time. For, I mean, nobody really knows how long, but it could be several more months. It could be a year. We could be doing this next spring. You know, it's possible. And however long that is, we got to figure out how to live in it. I got to figure out how to make a life out of this. And I'm not just hunkered down. I'm actually living one way or another. Because this is a disease of time. This is an event of time that stretches out. And it's, it's a patient kind of a thing. And it seems to be that on every level, we're getting more and more reports of people who have had this disease and reports about how long it's taken them to actually get over it. It's not like the flu, something that you're sick for a few days, a week, 10 days, if it's really bad. And then when you're done, you're done and you're yourself again. There's a lot of reports coming through now about people who who have these symptoms that just hang on for a month, for six weeks. And it, it makes perfect sense because this is a this is a condition of hanging on. This is a time of things hanging on and on and on. Anyway, I talked to my friend Anne today. And Anne lives with her family in Montclair, New Jersey. Her husband, Ignacio. Uh, Nacho, to his friends, is uh, a pilot for a major airline. And they had this thing. Nacho had it, was diagnosed with it, and brought it home, and Anne got sick with it, and both her kids got sick with something that looked a lot like it. And and they, I wanted to talk to her because I'd, I'd been hearing stories from her about now, you know, more than a month later, that they're just now really starting to maybe feel like themselves. And I was curious to hear their story of, of what was, by all reports, a mild case, you know. Everyone felt lousy. They lost their sense of taste, did all that weird stuff. Uh, but nobody was in the hospital. Nobody was on a ventilator. Nobody was really in danger of, of, of losing their lives. But it's hung on. It's been with them for a long time the way we're all sitting. 
been hanging on for a long time. Anyway, here's Anne. How are you? How are you doing? I'm I'm doing remarkably better. I have to say, I was I was uh, starting to feel like it wasn't going to ever get better, and I think in the last week, I felt like I had a. It wasn't anything like where I woke up one day and was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But I did feel like I had a bigger leap forward over the last seven days. So where maybe, you know, in the daytime, my head wasn't just constantly going, okay, how's, how are my lungs feeling? And how am I, you know, how's my cough doing? And, you know, when you've done this for five weeks and it's all kind of progressed to different stages, you kind of keep thinking like, okay, what's the next stage? Like, when do I, what does this morph into? So um, for me, the... The chest uh, congestion and tightness and burning and feeling like my belly was distended so badly that it was like I felt like I was nine months pregnant again. Um, All of that came on between like weeks four and five. So for me, it was after all of the illness part and the fevers and everything had happened already. So it was... um, it just felt like a month into it, you're like, why do I feel worse than, you know, the first 10 days? Um, So I think it was just, I was getting, on top of everything else, I was just getting really sick of being sick. So, um, and, you know, seeing people when you, when you go for a walk and you see somebody at the other side of the street and they're like, are you feeling better? You're out walking. And it's like, no, (laughs) but you you know, you're, you're passing them from such a distance. You're just like, thumbs up, you know? So it's like, okay. Um, Feels a little bit like you're, you're uh, lying by omission, but, um, but no, I think the last week we felt, felt both my husband and I that turned sort of a, a, cor- a corner forward. So, um, you know, you read and you hope that that continues. That's the, the main thing. So, well, how, let's go back. How, when, when, because, because Nacho had this first, right? And yes. so how did. Still working. Yeah. So, so it was like, you know, we, we came back actually from Milan. We came, we went there for winter break this year. And that was a very, um, you know, the, the benefits of, of, uh, of having an airline employee in the family that we went kind of as a last minute thing. We thought, well, let's just see how the flights look. And I have a good friend there. And so we thought if we could come, you know, some time with her and hang out. So we went there very last minute, right in the middle of February. And we went to Venice and we came back. And by the time we landed here, about a day or two after that was when we heard, oh, Italy has this outbreak. And we thought, well, that's really crazy. Like, we didn't see anything when we were there. Um, You know, we weren't really, you know, we were following the news on our phones, but there was no indication that Italy was any part of that. Um, So we came home and there was sort of this like whisper and we kind of thought, oh, that's strange. How did we, of all the places that we went, you know, that we picked to go to, how did we end up in some place that was this hotbed? Because, you know, up up to the early part of February, we were just hearing about China and and travel. So anyway, we came back and my husband was still, Nacho was still working. He had like a bunch of time um, in that two-week period right after we landed in February. So he was working pretty solidly for about two and a half weeks. And he had just like a day or two off and then he'd go back and he was flying a lot up and down the the East coast, going to Florida and coming back to New York. Um, And so as this sort of news story and coronavirus was sort of becoming a bigger deal, I think, you know, it, it was strange, but it was like people were still just, you know, every day was just coming and going normal routine. He was going in and out. And when he came back from his last trip before he got sick, 
it was the 21st of March. So he got sick, um, had a sore throat and didn't feel right. And then within like a day or so had a fever and he got tested the 25th of March. And that's when he, um, he didn't find out that day. Unfortunately, you know, it took, it took, um, about nine days for us to get results, but we were just so happy that he was even able to procure a test and was able to get swabbed. And, um, you know, the doctor's office here in New Jersey was very, um, good about that. They, they felt that because he was an essential worker and he would be going back to work that he really needed to have some kind of, he shouldn't be flying until that test was done. So we were, were happy that he actually got one. So if, if he did contract it in Italy, it, he didn't, he wasn't symptomatic for a month. No, no. And we don't, I don't think any of us think that we got it there. I think most likely we got it from one of his flights or the airport, or riding the train to, you know, to the airport. Um, so it was more more than likely we were all back home in, in three to four weeks with no symptoms. Um, so, yeah, he, his symptoms didn't appear for almost a month after that trip. So I'm pretty sure that, but it just was such a straight, you know, it just kind of put us in the mode, I guess is what I what I felt, that we came back and all of a sudden it was like, you know, I had, I had people that I'd, barely know here in our in our new town that we're sending me messages like wow you guys really got back just in the nick of time and you know aren't you lucky and it kind of made me feel because I'd seen photos that we were gone and um it made me feel a little bit like okay I guess they're tracking that like am I gonna be you know quarantined in the dog park like you know there was there was no sense of what was to come yet so I started to feel a little bit weird and um you know talking to friends back in Queens and and getting engaged was like okay I guess you know, there was a lot less paranoia um, in general, I think, at that time. But it started to just kind of creep in like, oh, that is weird. Are we going to get sick? And then after the two-week period when we had landed and everybody was healthy and we knew about what, you know, what this could be, then we started to feel a little bit like, okay, well, we've cleared that hurdle. And then let's see what happens next. And and obviously, it was about two and a half uh, weeks after that, that he actually came down with a fever. So we're pretty sure that that was just, you know something he picked up on the road and unfortunately there wasn't a lot of you know I mean he would leave his stuff at the door when he came home and and he would change clothes and everything but I don't think we were really at that point we weren't really you know doing our best to kind of separate him there was no I mean we wouldn't quarantine him every time he he, you know he came home so and how did it how did that sort of develop when he started feeling bad what was that progression you know was it you know he sick often he's a pretty healthy dude and uh and when he does get a fever <clears throat> i do think that it's one of those things that kind of you know he usually it usually turns into something bigger so i was a little concerned the first night that he was running a, a low fever and just knowing that that wasn't very like him so i think it was at least a day later he was still running it so had a really sore throat which you know at the time i guess i thought of sore throat maybe as a, as a symptom but i'm not really sure that it really I mean, we were like, well, could it be? Could it not be? And do we just read this out or do we, you know, call? And and he called. And within just a couple of hours, he had a, a video conference and then was told, you know, why don't you come in and get swabbed? You know, and then the waiting game began. And we just sort of, in that time period, we thought, okay, we'll try to, step, you know, separate ourselves a little bit. Um, and within two days, I got sick. So it was two days after his his. Um, Swabbing, so we didn't know anything about his results yet, but we knew that at that point I was probably um, 
already already too late to stop the transmission. And my oldest daughter got sick around the same time. We both actually didn't have sore throats, but we had headaches that were just like, ear, you know, just from ear to ear, just like split the top of your head open, um, kind of wrapped around through my eyes. I don't get migraines, so I don't know how that pain feels, but it was just the worst headache, you know, I've ever had. So it was, it was bad. And then the next, I'd say probably two days of that on top of fever. And um, that's when we, you know, we called her pediatrician and he just said, well, you probably all three have COVID. And we were like, oh, that's not what you want to hear. So after he got the swab, how long did it take to get a result from that? The swab took nine days. They, they initially told us we might have results in five days. Um, and that was, that was Ignacio's swab. So the pediatrician at the time, when I called for my oldest daughter, Elisa, he said, you know what? You've already had one person in your family swab. It sounds like you all three have it. I'm not going to bring her in to swab her. I think there's no reason to do that. You're going to have results sooner than what we would find out today. You know, it would basically start the clock over another, um, seven to 10 days. So we were just waiting, um, you know, and in that period, you're just, you're, you're glad you've been able to test, but it was just so frustrating to not, you know, you're seeing people talking about getting, you know, test results in 24 hours or some people even getting same day tests and you just know that they're just not available. I mean, the, the testing availability and also the, 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 you know, result, um, the, the time frame on getting those results was just, you know, I've, I've heard of it taking two or three weeks. To get yes. results. And I think some of the time, I think actually some of that as March crept into April, I think the backlog from what I read online and from, um, you know, friends, people telling me that they were so backlogged that there were testing sites that were just shipping out samples and just not getting, you know, results for weeks. So we were after the nine days and we kind of gone through what we thought was like the biggest part of the illness. We were like, OK, well, we're all still breathing. We're all OK. And now we know he's positive. So we just assumed that. Um, you know, by that time, my youngest daughter had fallen sick. So we were just like, okay, well, we're all getting it out of the way now. And we're just going to just, you know, wait and see what happens. So, And how, I mean, how, I can't think of an elegant way to ask this question, but how sick did you get? You know, because I've been hearing reports of everything from kind of, I had a bad cold to I was, you know, in the hospital for five days hallucinating. You yeah, know, like, I mean, sore throat, fever. None of us had high fevers, so in that way, we weren't, like, bedridden for days. I think we were lucky because it was fairly mild. I mean, we were, none of us felt good, but we were able to kind of get up and, you know, at least get to the couch and turn on the TV, and, I mean, we we looked, you know, not not exactly half dead, so. I mean, but it never got to the point where you had to call an ambulance or anything horrible (laughs) like that, or. Excuse me. My my COVID throat is still the last thing that I, I have after dinner and, and after meals. Sometimes I keep, I have a lot of, um, I guess, residual residual effects of coughing so much. Um, you know, I think none of us, thank God, none of us had any real shortness of breath. What I think we all had at some point was just very labored breathing. And I don't know how to describe it except to say it felt, to me personally, it felt like there was like an anvil on my chest. I mean, it felt like to take a deep breath and to push my lungs up and to inflate them just took like a lot of, of effort and thought. And it wasn't, you know, there were times I would get in bed at night, at least two or three nights. And I thought, I guess I'll just keep breathing all night long. Like I feel like my chest is sort of caving in and it feels like when I would lay down on my side, 
um, which is the normal way I sleep, it felt like, it felt like if you imagine like an accordion or an air, you know, that it felt like you were just pushing all the air out and it was going to take a lot of effort to like open it and fill it up again. Um, there were just a couple times that I felt a little disoriented or while somebody was talking, I just felt like, I don't really know what they're talking about. Like there were just moments, a quick flash of like, I don't think that was, you know, and not, not a distracted way. It just a real, like, I'm not sure I understood that. And, um, you know, I think hearing from other people now that that's a sign of low oxygen saturation. It's like, oh shit. I was interested to hear you talking about about how this has sort of hung on, and there have been waves and stages and sort of lingering issues. Um, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that. About you know, after the initial yeah. kind of, you know, after you started feeling better. Yeah, so we felt better. We felt better, and it was like, okay, we're able to take a walk. Okay, let's go. Get, you know, we spent about two weeks solid just in the house without really stepping foot outside except the backyard. And then it was like, I think it was right at Easter. It was like, okay, we're going to take a walk, you know, let the dog sniff somebody else's grass and walk around the block. Um, and I felt like, okay, I can do this. And it felt a little like walking through molasses, but in terms of just mobility and how we felt in terms of energy, but we were able to do it, you know, and the kids were definitely had higher energy at that point. Um, for me, it was like, you know, you can take a shower and, and do your hair and makeup and put on, you know, not sweatpants and get up out of the house. And it was like, okay, this, this is good. This is all good. Like I'm, I'm feeling, you know, like more like myself, but there was sort of a, an inherent part of that, that the picture you take and post and you show everybody your face and say happy Easter. And then it's like, oh shit, like this isn't, I don't feel good. I don't feel like myself, you know? And, and there were a lot of people like, oh, it's so good to see you. And you look happy and you're, you know, you look like you're back to your old self. And it's like, yeah, I guess. But it's also like every day after that, you're like, oh, okay, I don't feel like I can do, you know, I'm, I'm backsliding a little. And then two days later, you'd feel a little bit better. And so for us, it was just weeks three and four. And, you know, you were getting to that point where it's like, this is really not going away. And I don't think we really knew what we were supposed to feel like. You know, there was not like a two-week you know, 10 days or two weeks of the flu where you start to be like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm better. Like this is clearly my, you know, sinuses are clear and my chest is clear. It was a really gradual change. And so we were both pretty concerned that at some point it was just not right that we were still feeling so kind of bogged down. So we did talk to the doctor again. Um, she was like, you know, let's get you in, let's have chest x-rays. She gave us a Z-Pack and she gave us an inhaler, albuterol. And those things were like kind of making a difference, but not as much as I thought that they would. You know, when, when a doctor prescribes and says, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. And you think, yes, they figured out what's going to help me. And then you take it and then you're like, doesn't maybe seem like it's helping as much after day five of it and it was done. I just remember thinking like, why is my chest burning? Like I feel this constant pain like right down my sternum, like, you know, the doctors just don't, they've never treated this before. And, you know, the internet is not your friend when it comes to medical diagnoses or, or, or reading about things like this plague. Um, it just sets your mind buzzing. Like you don't know how much of that anecdotal stuff is worth, you know, it's solved and how much of it is just people who are really, you know, putting out their misery online. So I was really trying to stay away from stuff that wasn't, 
journalistic and verified, and yet there was nowhere to get like real good, you know, patient information. So it's just one of the things where you start to think, okay, is this going to turn into something where I get pneumonia and I have to be hospitalized and then everything goes downhill? You know, it, it was, it was a little bit, um, you didn't know from one day to the next, if I don't feel better tomorrow, does that mean I'm going to get sicker or is this just, you know, am I just in this holding pattern? So. Well, thank God you're feeling better. I'm really glad that that didn't happen. I, have to... I know. I have to say it's, it's nice to just wake up and be like, okay, we got to get the kids up and let's get them, you know, the computers open and, and school going because the days of just thinking about how you physically feel, it's, it's the most tiring thing in the world. And Speaking of your kids, was their progression different from yours? Did they feel better sooner or get less they sick or more had, sick? Or... Yeah, they just, I think Elisa had the symptoms that I had. So I was definitely concerned that she and I were both, um, you know, that we both had, had coronavirus. But she was sick maybe Friday to Tuesday. By Wednesday, I would say she started to kind of feel you know, better. And by Thursday, I was like, okay, you're, you're sitting through class tomorrow morning. Like she was, you know, to the point that they were fighting with each other again. And it was like, okay, you're feeling good enough to fight. You're feeling good enough to sit through a, a couple of hours of online learning. So, so yeah, so her progression was really Friday to maybe Wednesday. Um, and really nothing as severe in terms of the, you know, she said she lost her sense of taste and smell, which we definitely did. Um, Tell me about I don't that. Know. What's that like? Yeah, that's like, <laughs> for someone who loves to eat as much as I do, it was, you know, and it came on sort of subtly where I was like, oh, yeah, that's really weird. Like, I can see it's a cinnamon roll, and I can put it in my mouth, and I'm chewing on bread, but it was not, like, you're not really getting, um, you know, I, I kind of joke, it was like eating airplane food. It's like there was, the only thing I could really get was salt. Like anything salty just hit my mouth, like, like, you know, like almost like it was eating like sea salt on everything. It was like, ooh, okay, that's too, like, that's too much. And, and taking a couple bites of something and being so hungry and then realizing two or three bites into it, I don't want to even eat this. Like it doesn't, it wasn't a nausea. It was just, I, it's so unappetizing. And I don't know, you know, if they could, if they could just bottle that and I could use it periodically, I could, you know, shed some. LBs, but man, it was not, it was not <laughs> fun. Not and funny. nothing, nothing tasted good. So we were even, you know, a week later and we're sort of like, yeah, I think my taste is coming back, but it took, it took about seven to eight days for both of us, maybe even a, a little longer to really think, you know, look at each other and at dinner, we'd be like, does this taste good to you? Like, can you taste anything? And, you know, that's what I would say, yeah, kind of, you know, um, I mean, the moral of the story is I, I, I am, I am glad um, to hear that you're to hear you sounding good and, you know, to feel I wouldn't have known you're, you know, talking to you now. You sound like yourself, I have to say, which is great. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I said, it's it's now not feeling like a lie to say, OK, I feel good. I'm, I'm definitely keeping up my activity. Um, you know, I think we're, we're getting back to the point where now I'm getting restless in a, in a good way that says, like, OK, OK, now I'm. Now I'm stuck home and now I feel like, you know, getting out, which it's a very different thing when you're stuck home and you don't feel like getting out, when you feel literally like you can't can't get up and can't move around. So um, I don't know. I, I definitely think this quarantine has had a different impact for people, um, obviously, for people who were sick during it or any part of it. I think there's a different sort of appreciation 
Um, I, I won't say, you know, it's, it's, it, this is a parting thought. It, it, it's been hard to watch people not social distance, whether it's people I know or people just in general or like the entire, you know, southern part of the United States. Uh, you know, it, it's been really weird to watch that and think, I wouldn't wish this on any of those people. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Like, why does it take getting sick for people to understand or, God forbid, losing a relative or a loved one? Um, you know, to really understand the scope of this, like it is such a random thing that some people can completely have be asymptomatic and not even know they were sick with this and other people can die, you know, and the good thing about a mild version is that it's going to take you probably weeks to feel better, you know? So, um, you know, and it, and it's, I don't think anybody has answered for me or for a lot of the people that whose posts I read, um, through the Facebook, the, the COVID survivors page, but it's, you know, there's no real idea. Like, do I have any lasting heart damage from this? You know, is my, are my lungs, you know, going to be affected by this? Well, I find in 20 years that I have, you know, congestive heart failure at an earlier stage of my life because of, you know, having been exposed to this. We just don't know. So I guess as much as I'm, I'm excited that I'm feeling better and, I'm hoping to see other people who've been sick, you know, start to feel that same trajectory up. It's just, it's a lot of, you know, waiting and seeing and, and, and hoping that right now that we're not setting ourselves up for a completely, um, you know, the second chapter of this pandemic, which, which could end up, unfortunately, you know, being a, a lot worse in terms of the numbers of people affected. So I don't, I don't know how this ends. We don't, we, we will have to wait and see. How are you feeling looking forward to the next couple months uh, you know that's sort of where i'm at is what trying to settle into this you know realizing that well it's strange i keep thinking this this can't you know we just I, I keep thinking we have to snap our fingers and 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 get back to whatever it was we had before and yet the the part of me that that, that wants that and wants that normalcy the rational part of me knows that absolutely that's not going to happen but you know, I want to see my friends and I don't want to be sitting around a picnic table, you know, with wearing masks and, and having our kids wear masks at school. And like, yet all of those things would probably be the most logical next step forward, you know, where you can socialize outdoors and you can have kids go back to school, whether it's all of them at once or in stages or, you know, alternate days. Um, but, you know, kids are going to be spaced apart and wearing masks most likely indoors. So it's, it's, you know, I think about what's next and I look around and I think, I just, I don't see people exercising good judgment now when we were in lockdown. And so I just wonder, are those rules, you know, I mean, when you have somebody opening fire because you've been, you know, they, they told you the McDonald's dining room is closed. I mean, that's not, those are not good, you know, omens for, for what the next step is. And I don't know, um, you know, I don't know. It just, it seems to be bringing out things and people that were already sort of there, but it's bringing out the worst or the most fearful. You know, I, I look around and I think a lot of people um, are still really, really afraid. And I think I was very afraid before I got sick. And after I got sick, I think I then realized I had to deal with the actual illness and there was no panic. It was just very pragmatic and okay, we, this is what we need to do. And how many hours has it been since you took your medicine? And okay, let's make sure you, you know, let's check your temperature. And I think right now I'm seeing a lot of people still have 
that fear and they've been dealing and living with it for two months, you know, and, and not getting sick. So a lot of my friends who haven't had any, you know, exposure to this, their, their idea of what will make them feel safe is very different than mine right now. My name is David Hoffman. This is The Big Shut-In. I produce this show, post-production by Stephen DeLaro. It's a production of Race Car Radio. If you have feedback for me, or you have a story that you think might be a good fit for the show, please do feel free to reach out. The Big Shut-In at racecarradio.com. Race Car Radio is a division of Citizen Race Car. Applied Imagination.